Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. The easiest way to connect with us from right where you are is by downloading our free Real Life Community app from your app store. You can also find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. These three remain, faith and hope and love. But then he says, the greatest of these is love, the greatest. So we've talked about faith and hope and how indispensable they are as a part of a life that's lived in Christ in the spirit. Uh, And then this week, we wanted to just talk about Love, which is the greatest. Now, um, I want to do something this morning. You know, every once in a while I get the iPad out and we draw a little picture or something. This morning I actually want to just diagram the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. So we're going to have this out the whole time. Uh, We're going to go through it. I hope it will be helpful um, for you to just kind of see how this develops. Um, Tyler, can you go ahead and unclick the live and see if, okay, so I have to add in here uh, the screen mirroring. Here we go. So hopefully you'll be able to see my iPad here. Tell me if you can see it. You got it? Okay. So um, today we're going to work on this concept of love. So let me draw this up here at the top. And it has been real powerful to me this week seeing this all just drawn out. So I hope that it will be for you as well. So love, and this comes from 1 Corinthians. Can you see it when I zoom in there? 1 Corinthians 13, it's like love hitting you in the face right there. Uh, And here's what I'd like for you to do. If you have a Bible or if you have a phone uh, with a Bible app on it, go ahead and pull that out and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the chapter that often is read during wedding ceremonies. It's referred to as the love chapter in the Bible. And I already said, like I said just a minute ago, that it ends with this phrase that the greatest of these is love. So we're going to put that over here. But if you stretch back a couple of chapters, you'll go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Paul's talking about this life that is lived in the Spirit, where the Spirit is poured out into our lives. And he talks about some of the gifts that come from that, that there there are these gifts of the Spirit, healing and miracles and mercy and helps and prophecy and tongues and all these different kinds of gifts of the Spirit that, that are manifest in a person's life who is filled with the Spirit. And he's talking about how these gifts are for the service of the church, they're for the common good, that they're all necessary, that no one is more important than the other. And yet he gets to the end of chapter 12 when everybody may be looking at all these gifts that he's describing and, and being like, man, I wish I could go up. And like I was watching a, 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 serve, um, a movie on Netflix this last week called uh, Come Sunday. Anybody seen this, this movie? It's about some Pentecostal preacher. And he goes out into the congregation at one point in the end of his sermon, and he starts touching people on the heads and they fall down and they start being healed. And I thought, that seems pretty cool. Uh, 
uh, maybe I should try that. Uh, you know, like, so sometimes we can get enamored with, and you, you guys are like, no, you're good, Eric. Please don't come down here. Uh, sometimes we can get enamored with the gifts of the Spirit. They look incredible. They look miraculous. We, we think, man, those would be really neat. And Paul recognizes that in 1 Corinthians 12, that we can possibly become envious of some of these gifts. But he comes to the very end of chapter 12 and he says, now, I want you to desire the greater gifts and let me talk to you about the most excellent way. Oh, there's two L's there. The most excellent way. So he gets to the end of chapter 12. He says, now we're going to talk about the most excellent way. And that is the, the bookend into chapter 13. So to begin the love chapter, he says, we're going to talk about the most excellent way, the thing that you all ought to strive for, the thing that's on the top of everybody's list and everybody's agenda. Everybody ought to be striving for this one thing that we're going to get ready to talk about. And then at the end of the chapter, it's the greatest. So these are the bookends when we start to talk about love. There is nothing in the Christian life that is higher than the call to love, than the, than, than the experience of the love of God. Now, I, I want you to just walk through this with your Bibles. There are going to be some times that I'm going to ask for your help in these kinds of things. But Paul starts out, and the first thing that he says about love is he says, without love, I am nothing. Nothing. If you don't have love, you don't have anything. There's absolutely nothing good that happens in the world without love. Your most righteous, wonderful, beautiful acts without love are nothing. I got to thinking about some analogies, and it would be like a car without an engine, right? I know that some of you can't read my crazy handwriting, but we're just going to write it all on here. Uh, it's like a note without a song. Your best things in your life would be like a word without a story if you didn't have love. Feels like there's a song coming on there, right? Uh, somewhere, if you didn't have love. Love is absolutely critical to everything that we do in our life it, that means something. If it's going to mean something, then it has to be something um, that is filled with love. So, uh, without love, we're nothing at our best. Without love, we're nothing. That's the best you can do without love. At the worst, like you guys have seen this happen before in your life where somebody tries to do something that's maybe righteous or they're trying to prove a point on Facebook or they're trying to make sure that somebody knows that they're in a ditch and that their, their life is going off in the wrong direction or you've got something that you're trying to prove, something, uh, some kind of truth. If it's done without love though, at best, it's nothing. At worst, Paul says it's like a, a banging gong, which everybody wants to be one of those, right? Or a clanging cymbal. Are you with me? Somebody, um, somebody say amen if you know what it's like to have somebody doing something that they mean for good without love. Somebody say amen. You, you know what this is like, right? Some of us have fallen into that trap from time to time. We have something we think, man, I've got this. I know I've got the truth. 
and I just need other people to know that truth. And when we go into it without love, we might as well be just banging on a gong or a clanging cymbal. It just gets, in other words, really annoying. (laughs) So at its worst, if we don't have love, it becomes really annoying. Without love, we are nothing. Paul says that you can speak in the tongues of angels. You can use the best language of human beings around, but if you don't have love, it's a banging gong or a clanging cymbal. He he goes up from there. You can have acts of prophecy. You can understand, listen, every mystery of the universe. But if you don't have love, it means nothing. He goes on, he says, I could give everything that I have to the poor. I could have faith that moves mountains. I mean, these are huge things. I could do all these things. I could give my body over to be abused for the sake of Christ. But without love, it all comes to nothing. Listen, this is a self-evaluation moment as a church and as individuals. The best that we can do minus love is nothing. You gotta have love as the essential primary ingredient into everything that you do. I'm having all sorts of trouble drawing straight lines. Here we go, all right. So this begs the question, I think, what is love? If you have to have it, like what is it? And Paul goes on to talk about that. He, he actually begins drawing out this table, but I wanna stretch out a little bit and say first, that we find in other places in scripture that God is love. You wanna know what love is? You look at God. And if you wanna see what God is like, you look at Jesus. So Jesus is our best picture of love. Everything about the character and quality of Christ displays a life of love. But then Paul begins to talk about what love is and what isn't. And this is where I would like to have your help this morning. So if you've got your Bibles open, we're just going to draw a table here. And I want to, I want you to start shouting out for me um, in verses, uh, I'm not sure where it starts here, verses four in in through verse seven. Uh, We've got a whole bunch of things that love is and love isn't. So somebody start shouting these out. What are we? Love is patient. All right. I'm going to be a slow writer. So let's just absorb these. What's the, what, what are some other things? Kind. Love is kind. Bears all things. Bears all things. It's, it bears all things, or I think I heard somebody say it's long-suffering. Yeah, what else do we got? You're gonna, not easily provoked, uh, so it isn't easily provoked. What else you got? It never fails. We're going to come back to that one. That's towards the end. Let's just work through it. Come on, guys. It what? Thinks no evil. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember how my translation does it, but uh, it doesn't rejoice in evil. It doesn't delight in evil. But what it does is it rejoices in the truth, right? Rejoices with the truth. What else do we have? Come on, you're in class here. It protects. That's, uh, that's something where it says it always does that, right, Kyle? There's a list of what it always does, and it always protects. 
There are some other things that it always does. It always trusts, hopes, one more, endures. What are some other things that love doesn't do? I feel like we've missed a few of these. Doesn't envy? It's not envious? It's not proud? It's not rude? It doesn't keep record of wrongs? It's a good list here. If you ever want to know, easily provoked or angered. It's another translation. It's not self-seeking. See, you guys are getting it here. I feel like I missed one that somebody said. Shout it out. Doesn't dishonor others. Somebody wants me to write never fails. This kind of love that we see here, it is patient, it's kind, it's long-suffering. It rejoices with the truth. It always does these kinds of things. It protects, it trusts, it hopes, it endures. Love that is a gift of the Spirit, that is a fruit of the Spirit, is not easily provoked or angered. It doesn't delight in evil. It doesn't, uh, it's not envious or self-seeking or proud or rude. It doesn't dishonor others. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. This kind of love, this particular kind of love never fails. There you go, guys. I'm in trouble. <laughs> that kind of love never fails, guys. You can't go wrong if that kind of love is the in first ingredient of your life, is, is the motivation behind all of your actions. Byron needs some help uh, this morning. So um, we all do. Listen, we all do. That's okay. Um, love never fails. Which leads into the last section of 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul begins to talk about this love where the final quality that he's going to talk about is how love, and these are my words, but I think this is kind of what Paul is getting at here. Love is eternally resilient. Paul talks about all these other things that we can do in our lives. Where there's prophecy, he says, it fades. Where there's miracles or whatever, uh, like he, he brings in this whole kinds of list, all these good works, all these things that you do. All of those things over time fade. But the further we walk into eternity and the further we press into the heart and the life of God, the more real and present love becomes. So the further we journey into eternity, love doesn't fade. Everything else starts to fade in the light of the increasing brightness of the glory of God's face that shines in love. Everything else begins to get washed out because up until then, we've got all these like deposits, these first fruits of the spirit, these things that help us get from one stage to another. All of these things, Paul says, these are like partial things that you have that we get by with, but there's gonna come a day when prophecies will cease. We won't need those anymore because we'll be in the presence of God. There's gonna be a day when some of these other things, these gifts, 
gifts of the Spirit, they cease because we'll be present with our Savior, with the one who is life and who is love and who fills all things with his life and his love. And so love, you, the further you go in life, the, the closer you get into the shining light of love. And so love, unlike any other thing in the world, is eternally resilient. It never fails. You cannot go wrong with love. Love never fades. And so he gets down to the end and he says, now, these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. Love remains. Love remains. It's always with us. It's always here. The further you go into the heart of God, love remains, and it is the greatest. It's the greatest. This is love. We have lots of different ideas about love. For us, we sell it in our culture. We sell it short so often. Love becomes a feeling that we have. Love becomes uh, something that can fade. Love becomes something that's here in one season of life and then it's gone in another season of life. So often we sell short love in our culture. Love is so much more. It's eternally resilient. It never fails. This kind of love, you can't go wrong with it. Now, um, that wasn't the only thing that I wanted to do this morning. Well, let's just do a little bit of application. I want to talk about the arenas of love. Where do you apply this? Where do you put this kind of love into practice? Well, we find a couple of different major areas. I love when it does that, um, and I draw a box, and it just automatically makes a bigger box, uh, or a perfect box. Um, in Matthew 22... Jesus is asked, what are the greatest commandments? We talk about this all the time. And he says, the first is that you love God with everything, right? You love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, your soul. You love God with everything, that this is the first and greatest commandment, that if you want to know what to do with this kind of love that's been poured out into you, the first thing that you can do is point it in the direction of God. With everything that you are, that that's where you begin with this love. You've got this love, what do I do with it? You point it back to your maker. It's the best thing you can do with your love. But then Jesus says that the second thing is like it, that we love our neighbor as ourself. Now, what is a neighbor, right? That just begs the question, who is my neighbor? The teacher of the, of the law said to Jesus after he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, well, who is my neighbor? Well, on one hand, your neighbor is everyone, right? Everyone that your life comes into contact with, comes into, oh, whatever, contact with. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm, when I write for myself, I just skip letters all the time, and so that, that happens. Uh, on one hand, it's everyone that your life comes into contact with, so it's your neighbors, but it's also your family and your friends, and then in this global kind of culture, 
our lives have an impact on sometimes on people on the other side of the world. The amount of plastic bottles that we drink out of has an impact all the way around the world sometimes. Like we have a global impact. So in one sense, everybody is our neighbor. But Jesus took an interesting tack. Um, when he was asked this question, who is my neighbor? Jesus told a story where the essential truth is that you are the neighbor. You are the neighbor. That we are responsible to um, treat everyone as if we are their neighbor. And so that's a really important point. But then I also want to say a couple of other things that I think you can take neighbor and you can break it down into a couple of categories. You can break it down into people who, tell me if you know what I'm talking about, are easy to love. And then you can break it down into people who are hard to love. What makes people easy to love? I'm curious, shout it out. Friendly. They're friendly? What else? Similar. They're similar. People who are like you are easy to love. Who are, they smell good, yeah. So if you've got your deodorant on today, Bo will love you. Uh, yeah, clean, tidy, like, you know, not, not uh, difficult to be around and that, yeah, sure. Uh, who else is easy to love for you? Family. Family? Sometimes, sometimes somebody told me that the people that you love the most are the people who can make you the happiest and the angriest. Uh, and sometimes at the same time, right? Uh, yeah. Family. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. It's the people who know how to love, right? The people who treat us in these ways, it's easy to love those kinds of people who are already engaged in loving us or who are the same as us or have the same beliefs or the same worldview. There are some people that just fall into that category. It's easy to love those people, right? Are you with me on this? And then there are some people, it's hard to, it's hard to love these people because they forgot their deodorant uh, for Bo or, or because, like, what are some of the reasons that make it hard to love people? They're mean. Sometimes it's hard to love people who tell you the truth. Come on. People who are narcissistic, self-centered, yeah. People who, people who don't exhibit the 1 Corinthians 13 view of love, right? Those kinds of people. People who aren't first loving us. People we don't understand. People we don't take time to understand. People that we think we've got ideas about that, uh, that we've made up in our minds that there's a group of people and this is how they are and it's impossible to love somebody uh, in that way. Did you have something else? Yeah, yeah. Anytime we're putting somebody in a bucket, them, yeah. People who believe differently. Somebody else. Yeah, surely. Yeah, it's hard. People who are negative all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Listen, we got to be honest. There's a, there's a category of people who are out to get us. There are people that don't like you and me. Like, and there's some of those, you know, as a group maybe, but there's also people just that don't like you. Uh, the people that don't like me, that like, this is a reality. There are some people, and thankfully there aren't many in my life, but like, there are some people that I've encountered over the course of my life, very, very few that just feel like they're out to like 
mess with me, right? You, you've had those, those kinds of folks. Those people are hard to love. Now, in the arenas of love, and I'm about done here, but I think that if this was a course, because this feels a little bit like a classroom this morning, loving God with everything that we are might be your 101, right? Loving your neighbor as yourself uh, in these couple of categories, this might be 201. 301 might be loving people who are easy to love. And then if you're familiar with how like the course structure goes, uh, hard to love would be like PhD level. <laughs> like this is your 801. You just skip way up into like this is your advanced uh, course in love is the people who are hard to love. And yet... In Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, but to you who are listening, I say, you don't have to follow along with this because it's probably tiny, um, but I'll read it to you. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, Turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. What I want to say this morning to us is this. The most uniquely Christian thing you can do with your love is to point it at someone who isn't loving you first. the most uniquely Christian thing you can do with the love that God has poured into you is to point it with all of your energy at somebody who is hard for you to love. Somebody who's not already loving you first. Everybody can love people who love them. People who are like them. People who believe the same things as them. 
but the love of God is passionate about pursuing people who are a long way and even in active rebellion against God. And this is the kind of love that he pours into our lives. So this morning, um, I'm gonna go back to this list, this list of love that never fails. And I wanna ask you to do a little reflection with me this morning. And then just walk with me uh, through this because I think it's gonna be good for us. Um, If you would bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. And it's been a long time, if ever, that I've asked you to do this, but I want you to think of somebody who is your enemy. Somebody you don't understand, somebody that drives you crazy. Maybe it's a a group of people who believe a certain way and it just chafes at your bones and makes you just want to scream. Think about two or three of these kinds of folks. I'm going to be quiet. Just pray to God. God, help me to identify some of the people in my life that it's super hard for me to love. Bring their faces to your minds. Names, families. Maybe it's a circumstance. Maybe it's a certain online discussion that just... All right, now I'm going to read through this list of how we're called to love these folks. Think about what it might look like if you were to apply it to these people. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. It rejoices with the truth. It's not easily angered. It doesn't delight in evil. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not envious or proud or rude. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs, guys. It always, and think about how this is applied to the people who it's hard for you to love. What if you were to always protect them? To always trust them? To always hope? To always endure for the sake of their good. Now Jesus tells us to pray for them, to bless them. And so let's do that collectively this morning. God, we want to lift up every name and group and belief system and circumstance and Facebook argument And every one of these things, we want to lift these up to you and confess this morning that, God, these are people and groups and areas and belief systems that are just not natural for us to be able to point our loves towards. It's hard sometimes. 
And yet, God, we know that you have called us to love in these areas. And so we want to lift every one of these people, groups, circumstances up to you right now. And we pray for their good. Their eternal, long good. We pray for this. We pray that you would embrace them with your love. That where it's necessary, that you would redeem them. That you would... um, sand off rough edges that you would transform them in the same way that we're asking you to do these things in us that by your love these folks would be transformed in your presence god we pray blessings on them we pray that they would experience the goodness of who you are in their lives and that god they would be able to name that somehow Uh, that they would be able to to recognize how good you're being to them. And and God, we pray that that might be another catalyst for a little bit of of a change, just in the same way that we pray these things in our own heart for our own blind spots. God, we pray first that our love would be pointed towards you. And then we pray for a deep love of our neighbors, not just those who are easy to love, but for all the hard cases for us that you would make us lovers of the people that you love. I want to invite the band to go ahead and come forward now. and We're going to um, spend some time singing here at the end and just praying that the love of God uh, would be real to us this morning. And so would you stand? Uh, We recognize this morning that we can't go love anybody with a genuine kind of love unless we first experienced it ourselves. And so we're going to sing this song called Sinking Deep that just encourages us to sit down in the middle of the love of God. Let him pour that out over us. Uh, So would you sing this together with us? Mm -hmm.